Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. Welcome to another fantastic session of Q&A with Bishop Julian. You're here with your regular hosts, Jeremy Ambrose and Javina Graham. Bishop, I want to tell you, last week I went to a wedding um, and it was two friends that I've known for some time and the wedding was quite nice. The couple had been living together for two years before they got married and no one else seemed to... It seemed quite sensible that they'd done this. There was a general attitude. I know that the church says that it is not the sensible thing to do. It's actually not the right thing to do. Why does the church say that living together before marriage is wrong? The church um, <clears throat> understands the nature of marriage uh, as a full and complete commitment of two people for their lives together. It's, it, it's built around the idea of a, of a complete gift of self. And the basis of the expression of that will be found in in the sexual relationship that the couple enter into after they get married, that they give themselves completely, totally to one another. So the church has always felt that this is a very sacred thing. And and really the the physical expression in marriage should be linked to the reality of a couple um, making that full commitment, a lifetime commitment to each other. And so the, if you like, the spiritual or the moral dimension of what they're doing should be in tune with the physical dimension. The difficulty you have when people um, enter a sexual relationship, living together prior to marriage, is that they've entered into the, the physical expression of married life, but they haven't yet reached the, the spiritual, the moral level of that full and complete commitment to one another. But Bishop, just on a practical level, isn't it um, isn't it a good thing to I guess, you know, try before you buy, to um, yeah, to get to know whether you're I guess I've heard someone say before sexually compatible with someone, and at the same time all the little practical habits like seeing if you can put up with someone's mess or or, or that sort of thing, or, you know, leaving the toilet seat up or down or, or all these little practical little or things. Or is he going to take out the rubbish when I want him to? All those little things. And, and people do take that attitude to say, let's see if we are truly compatible or this can work. You know, there's, there's, there's this idea that uh, let's, um, let's just live, live together and then we can uh, be sure that this marriage is going to work. The interesting thing is that statistics show that there's a far higher breakdown in relationships, quite extraordinary difference in the numbers of marriages that have entered into a, a, a living together relationship prior to marriage. The breakdown in comparison with those that uh, do not live together but wait to marriage till they, they come to, to cohabit. 
it's a very interesting thing that why you think why would that happen you'd think it'd be the other way around that people would would actually by living together for a while would realize this is not going to work and therefore we'll get out of it before marriage so that would seem to be the reason but i think the problem is that people when they when they enter into this agreement to to live together they're hedging their bets and they're hedging the, 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 the quality of their relationship with each other. I, I will marry you if I think you measure up to my expectations. And there's a danger in all of this that we have set certain determinations of what we expect from our, our, our spouse in, in marriage without this sense that marriage really should be a complete giving of oneself in trust and confidence in the other person. So in a way I think it robs the couple of of this full expression of trust and surrender in love. I, I think the danger is that somehow we've robbed marriage of an, an essential quality and, we've, and people then move on into marriage somehow they haven't dealt with this reality it's, it's just been a, a kind of unfolding of, of life without reaching what is at the, the really heart of the real meaning of the, the marriage covenant that a couple enter into that's right and I think I mean I have another very good friend who's who's a practicing Catholic and has not lived with her husband before marriage she's just gotten married and when she speaks about their new life together it is a totally new life it's the inverse of what you were talking about because it's a complete trust in one another yes i'm going to discover all these things you're going to discover all these things about me all my foibles that i'm a little bit worried to reveal but i trust that you have made this commitment to me and that this will not hinder our love and we can grow together in this mm. and it's a beautiful new beginning that way i think it, it, it uh, living together i think robs marriage of its true beauty and true power I think when a couple have not lived together, have not had a sexual relationship, and then when they come to the church and, and, and express that complete and total self-giving and then express it in the way they live their life, they have entered marriage. And so marriage has actually radically changed their whole life. It has become a profound moment of personal change in their life. The other way, I, th I think, it is kind of an incremental life, but somehow they've lost the magic, if you like, or the, yes. the, the, the moment, uh, the real moment of marriage, and I think, too, the real meaning of marriage is somehow lost uh, a little in this process. Mm. Can I ask, I think I actually might direct this question towards Jeremy Bishop. Um, question and answer with Jeremy Ambrose. Here we go. <laughs> From a woman's point of view, a, wo a woman who enters into a cohabiting relationship before marriage, she sees it as a step, a, a step in the commitment kind of chain. That it's perhaps if he won't ask me to marry him right now, if I move in with him and he sees that living, living with me is good, then he will propose to me. Because I think most most women want to get married, you know, mm -hmm. and living together is just a step along the way. Is a man's point of view in this situation, not that you've ever asked a girl to live with you, but is, is it different to our point of view? Look, I, I think if we're really honest with ourselves and, and look within, I, I think it is. 
And I think if a man is is really honest, um, I think that's the easy option for him, because then he, well, he it, he's getting all the benefits without having to have that commitment. And in the end, it's not really benefits because it's not a true beautiful self-giving relationship so that word benefit is false in that context yet i think i think a man's point of view will be oh well no this is easier for me because i'm not having to go into the deep end i can sit here in the shallow end for a long time and wait out a little bit further and then come back and then you know i'm getting what i want and then it became i think for a man it's easier to be more selfish mm. it's easier to you know to to just I guess, in a sense, objectify even the person who he loves. I think that's that's my sense uh, of what happened. I, I think a woman entering into a cohabiting relationship has different expectations about the relationship and, and where it might end in marriage. Yeah. Whereas a fellow, I think, can enter that because he just sees a lot of benefits for himself and probably doesn't have the same sense of the necessity for it to end in marriage. Yes. And so the guy can actually uh, get all the, the benefit, but, but and I think it is true that many fellows don't want to necessarily get married because why? I've got what I want. It may be just later on with, with children or whatever that the question may, may come up. But I think a wo- the woman's approach and the men's, man's approach are quite different in the relationship. Mm. Well, in in to all the couples out there that are preserving themselves for marriage and not living together, I think they do see that there are going to be a lot of changes when marriage comes about. You know, you're living with a whole other person. You have two different wills that will sometimes clash and lots of different habits. What do, what should we do in our relationships, young men and women that are contemplating marriage or preparing for marriage? How, to, how, what should we do to really help us prepare for mm. the Holy Sacrament of marriage and living together? Mm. You know, I think uh, in a strange kind of way, the very fact of choosing to, to grow towards marriage without uh, entering a sexual relationship and without cohabiting is actually a great source of the growth and development of character, of, of, of discipline in the relationship, of dedication to the other without seeking so much for myself. I think this is very good if like character formation, preparation of a couple so that when they do enter marriage, there is this um, this extra way in which they've been formed and prepared for marriage that means that they can give themselves uh, more generously to the other, to be able to be more forgiving of the other, uh, accepting of the limitations of the other. So I, I believe that um, the best way we can prepare for marriage is, is preparing ourselves in terms of the attitudes and the ways in which we go about our relationships with others. If we become self-centered or selfish or, or if we're starting to just see what I can get out of the, the marriage relationship, the benefits I can get, which can happen when we cohabit or when we enter a sexual relationship. In other words, we've, we, we can so easily shift from truly loving the other person uh, for their own sake to, to seeing this relationship as being good for me mm. and what I can get out of it. That's a bad preparation for marriage mm. because then I'll always judge the, the relationship down the track in terms of 
how it's good for me. And I think when you say we will, we will not enter a sexual relationship, we will not cohabit, we're actually forming ourselves and establishing a better foundation for a truly self-giving and life-giving relationship in marriage. I have one final question for you, Bishop. This is a curly one. When a friend says to us, oh, I've got some great news, I'm going to move in with my boyfriend, as if it's, you know, something to be celebrated, how do you think we should react? <laughs> that is a very difficult question to answer. Yes. I, I, I think... Uh, it can vary a lot, obviously, a great deal as to who this person is. And, and look, they might be a very close friend and they might be, they might be Catholic. They might have a, uh, a strong Catholic background in their families and so forth. Or they might be a work colleague or something who's, who's a long way away from Christianity of the Church. So obviously, you have to vary it in, uh, according to the circumstance of the person. But let's take the case of a person who's, um, who, say, comes from a Catholic family and, um, and to all intents and purposes is a good decent sort of person and has had adopted this because it's uh, the current practice among um, so many young people today. Um, I don't think we can be moralistic. We can't uh, start standing on a soapbox and, uh, and challenge them. But if our relationship is, is good with that person, maybe we can take a moment quietly over a cup of coffee or glass of wine or something and just say do you really think this is the best thing um, you know what's the how how developed is your relationship what is what is the fellow's expectations about this does is how serious is he you may be entering you may be saying we're going to we're going to move in because I'm thinking that will marry in a year's time or a couple of years' time. Does he have that attitude? Uh, I think we can sort of just encourage people to reflect upon the decision they've made and ask themselves, is this the best decision? Mm. Very helpful. Thank you, Bishop Julian. Well, this is a, this was a big topic, wasn't it? Thanks, Bishop Julian, for delving into this Pleasure. with us. Jeremy, we come to that part where um, we, we look at an aspect of, of our Catholic heritage and, and cultural background, and, and words, and phrases, and concepts that we that we use in, in everyday speech, and probably don't think twice about where they've come from or what may be their their um, their final meaning. You've heard the phrase "short shrift." We'll give somebody the short shrift. You heard of that phrase? Seldom. So, I don't think we're as old as you, Bishop. No, that oh. might be the case. That might be the case. It's the, but it's, it's a phrase, you give somebody a short shrift. It's a, sort of a way of saying that uh, we have to deal with this person quickly. Uh -huh. you know. yeah. Now, again, we ask ourselves the word shrift. Uh, the, the word short makes a lot of sense, but shrift. Again, it goes back to the medieval word for confession, mm. to shrive or shriven. And the short shrift... Was, was used in particular in relation to um, people who were going to the gallows. So somebody's about to be hanged 
and the um, the priest would be called and on the way to the gallows they'd have a chance of making their final confession but they were told by the authorities it's not to be a, a long confession because you know things have got to take place so so it'd have to be a short confession so it have to be a short shrift oh, wow. what's the phrase so when you give somebody the short shrift you might think of this poor person going to the gallows and the priest walking alongside hearing his confession You've been listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. For more episodes, visit credio.org.au.